Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. True freshman quarterback versus redshirt freshman quarterback. But for how long? On Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium as the cast will be hosting the TCU Horn Frogs for a 6.05 kickoff from the Bill. Okay, game day will start at 2 in the afternoon. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner alongside Troy Coverdale, David G. Travion Brooklyn wearing his Blue Valley Randolph. Rams basketball manager jersey. Phone number is 537-1350. A busy show. We got Curry Sexton and Mitch in Vegas coming up in hour number two, which typically we have Curry first, Mitch in Vegas second. We flip-flopped it yeah. uh, this week. So Mitch in Vegas will lead off, and then Curry will join us at about 525. Uh, in this first hour, it's busy as well because we're going to try to squeeze in both K-State coordinators talking about you know, just the build-up to the game. Colin Klein obviously talking a lot about quarterbacks and Avery Johnson. And, of course, for the, the defensive side of the football, what's his status on cornerback Will Lee going up against this retro freshman in Josh Hoover of TCU and uh, some other things as well. Plus, we'll blindly rank five here in this first hour. Uh, Michael Boganowski, the four-star linebacker for Junction City, is expected to make his announcement in about 20 minutes or so. It's going to be streaming live on the 24-7 sports show or whatever they call it. Streaming live. I, I, I don't believe we'll be able to bring you the live audio of that. Uh, but we will be following along as that does take place. Now, two weeks ago after talking to Derek Young, he feels that it's definitely leaning Oklahoma, which Boganowski is down to four, which is K-State, Oklahoma, KU, and Florida State. Uh, Mason Voth, also from K-State Online, feels that there is still hope that it can be K-State. And maybe a lot of the uh, Oklahoma hope is just those that are riders for the recruiting sites for Oklahoma, just making their predictions for it to be Oklahoma. Not exactly sure, but still the feel is that, unfortunately right now, Boganowski might be leaning Oklahoma, but... As it would typically be the middle of practice for Junction City football, he'll be making his announcement at 4.30. 
So we'll be finding out here shortly. And again, 20 minutes away if they're on time. Smart by him. But well, it's Thursday. Well, they so, got, they got yeah. Emporia tomorrow. Yeah, so Emporia, it, they're terrible. I was gonna say he should have done Tuesday. That's where you're gonna be running and stuff. You know, like your full pads. Yeah, go Tuesday yeah, yeah. at five. You know, that way you skip the conditioning and all that. I don't know how Manhattan does it. I don't know if Tuesdays they're in full pads or not. I know Wednesdays are in uh, top shell, you know, shoulder pads and shorts. Um, but it's not like what it used to be. I used to dread practice because, first of all, I'm, I'm little, and your teammates always hit harder than any opponent could. Yeah. They, just for some reason, their hits sucked way more oh. than opponents. Maybe just because you knew it was coming, it's not going to be fun. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but tackling drills, we used to do tackling drills every day. All day, every day. And I day. hated it. Mm. Horrible. Oh, I loved it. We did um, Tuesday and Wednesday was full pads. Tuesday, Wednesday. But Monday was shells. Thursday, shells. And Thursday was even no shoulder pads. You just walkthroughs. But, uh, yeah. And then Saturday. That's what I hated. You want to talk about what I hated? Saturday. Saturday oh, morning, yeah. getting up, a crack of D, and you're running, <laughs> dude. Because they're like, you gotta make sure that it doesn't count. Cal- you know the calcium buildup. I'm like, ah, shut up about the calcium. You know, so you're talking high school there Ugh. at Clay Center. Never ran more than seventh grade football. Whoa. We conditioned a ton every day, and our conditioning was hundreds, Ugh. back and forth, hundreds, and we would always start at ten. And sometimes you would go on, you know, on, uh, you know, on one or on two. Oh, God. And if you jumped, add another one. Man, that gave me nightmares of Coach oh. Link yelling, add another one. Add another oh. And we hated each other oh. when. But after that, wasn't as much conditioning. It was just more tackling drills. I oh. would have rather done. We used to do a, um, a drill called, oh, gosh, what was it called now? I'm blanking on the name. Um, man, I. I'm failing here in, in, in Clay Center football memories here. Uh, oh, live 40s. Did you guys do live 40s? So, all right. Down on the other end of the field. So you're going sideline to sideline. Uh-huh. On the other end of where everybody is are four dummies. Five guys had to go get four dummies. So, like, one person takes one. Somebody's going to be the odd man out. It's almost like musical chairs, but the only thing is you do what it takes to get to one of those dummies. Uh. It's, it's, ju- it's almost anything goes. I was fast enough that I could just outrun everybody. That's that's what I had for me in my little size. I had speed. I was one of the fastest players on the team. Is that how you beat Cody Whitehair? Yes. Uh, that and I just kind of snuck between his legs. And <laughs> yeah. He never saw me. <laughs> the oldest trick in the book, baby. <laughs> Where'd he go? Where'd he go? I'm behind you, sucker. <laughs> Curry's face mask is full of dirt. See ya. And grass. <laughs> you blew it, Cody. Dang. But now you're crazy rich. So that you, was <laughs> you learned from it. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he did. He Never was, again when he yeah. let something go through his legs. You know? He uh, was part of the Annie Agar uh, video this week getting digged on. I haven't seen that. Nah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. she, uh, she made a crack about his snaps. Oh, I have no oh, idea. And I'm like, oh, come on. Oh, no. oh. Former left tackle at uh, at Abilene. All right. I want to talk a little bit about Saturday, just some thoughts on the game. This will be our time to really share our thoughts about K-State and TCU on Saturday. Real quick, though, we got to ask everybody the question. This is the roundtable question. We'll start with Travion Berkland, who's on his phone. <laughs> Travion, 
How many rushing touchdowns will Avery Johnson have on Saturday? <laughs> Two. Pretty good. Pretty right. good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's. I mean, yes, he ran for five last week. I yeah. You know, yeah. it would be amazing if he did that again. Probably not. Dude, if he went probably si- not. If he went for six, that's what I was thinking. I think he. <laughs> He might be the first Heisman Trophy winner to start his campaign in the middle of the season. (laughs) Just give him the trophy. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be cool. Not necessarily a bad thing to go with that (laughs) idea at this point, to be perfectly honest. Going back to the way I let off the show, it it could definitely be freshman quarterback versus freshman quarterback. Right. We know about Avery, talented kid. You know, Chris uh, or uh, Colin Klein earlier today said, you know, didn't really give us much. In the coordinator's press conference, you know, both guys, he says, going to play. We're going to need him to play. Um, no hints of starter, who's going to play more, or, you know, it could just be mostly what they get from TCU's defense. But if you look at the flip side, um, you know, both teams are coming off wins. K-State 4-2, and two, TCU's 4-3. and three. They needed the win. They were coming off two straight losses to uh, West Virginia and Iowa State, where, you know, the offense wasn't very crisp. And also Chandler Morris gets hurt. So now you have a redshirt freshman coming in in Josh Hoover. Well, it's like the Max Duggan effect where Chandler gets hurt, Max Duggan comes in and has obviously the season of his Mm. life that we never would have expected. Josh Hoover gets his first start against BYU, wins 44-11. Do you guys know how many passing yards he had in that game? 439. Golly! 439. Okay. Four touchdown passes and two interceptions. It was an unbelievable performance by TCU's offense. And there's a couple of reasons why the, the, the game played out that way. First of all, give credit to TCU's defense. BYU has nothing going all year long in rushing the football. They are one of the worst, if not the worst, rushing team in college football. Mm. Terrible. But they can throw the rock around. Well, other than the Colorado game, TCU's been pretty good against the mm-hmm. pass. They got a guy, the linebacker and secondary. They got a number of guys that are gonna either have already been all Big 12 performers or they're going to be all Big 12 performers this year. Bud Clark is one of the first ones that come to mind, and he's having himself a good season. I mean, TCU's defense from the start just absolutely was a nightmare for BYU's offense. But on the flip side... That was by far the best performance all around for TCU's team. Josh Hoover was a big part of that. But the thing is, BYU wanted to take away TCU's run game. Amani Bailey is maybe just a step behind Taj Brooks of Texas Tech. He's just averaging, just, just, I believe it's just under 100 yards a game. I may need to go look at the updated stats. But he's had a number of games this year of over 100. He's a tough tackle. BYU tried to take him out of the game as much as they could, and they did. But stopping the pass, too much cushion, and it was just slanting and curling the hell Mm. out of BYU's defense. Mm. And they didn't stop it all night. Now, I will say Josh Hoover did not play a perfect game, obviously, but he was 37 of 58. Wow. 37 of 58. He had thrown the ball over 30 times in the first half, and they ran it like 10 times huh. in the first half. It was just taking what the defense get, gave them. But Josh Hoover, where he was impressive, the zip of the football and the accuracy. He was threading needles. I mean, locked on the 
his sight was locked on to receivers up up the seams, tight spots. But the thing is, he also threw the ball a number of times in places he probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And so far this year, he's appeared in three games, and he's thrown an interception in all three games. He has four total with six touchdowns and 200, 608 yards passing. But he's made those mistakes. So he's not perfect. He, he's made the freshman mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe the same mistakes Will has made a little bit, trying to force it. It's quadruple coverage or throws it a little bit too high, and BYU had a very nice interception. So... This is going to be a big game for K-State's defense to settle down the passing game in TCU and try to keep them in check. This will not be easy. Um, So, Will Lee might be able to play, and I think that's pretty big. The three interceptions K-State had against Texas Tech, it was great, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but also in a way were kind of gift-wrapped. I mean, it was there for the taking, it wasn't the most amazing play. They were where they were supposed to be and made some good plays. But Jake Strong made some mistakes. Yet at the same time, K-State was giving up 90-yard drives, 99-yard drives. Both of them nearly went for touchdowns. One of them ended up in an interception. They were getting up long drives and scoring drives to a third-string quarterback. TCU was going to move the football. There's no doubt about that. They're going to get some yards. It just depends, and here's why I think it really – boils down to K-State making stops in the red zone. TCU's offense is 20 for 29 in red zone appearances. Their nine failures in the red zone leads the Big 12. They've had four turnovers on down, turnover on downs, four interceptions, and a fumble. K-State has allowed opponents to score 15 times in 17 trips, but nine of them have been field goals. They've been doing a pretty decent job of when the opponent gets in the red zone, buckling down and holding them to field goals. Now, bouncing off of that, field goals, TCU, they've been probably settling for too many of those, especially prior to the BYU game. Senior Griffin Kell also has not been too solid at kicking field goals. He's 10 for 16. And for kickers that have kicked over 10 field goals this season, there's been 56. Well, in kicking percentage, Griffin Kell is 50th out of those 56 at 62.5%. 12 of his his kicks have been from 40-plus, and he's missed half of them. Mm -hmm. So he is not a guarantee to make those longer field goals. He's made all of them inside 40, which, you know, if you ask any coach, you got to make them. But those from distance have not been automatic. So, again, K-State's going to give up some yards. But when TCU gets in plus territory, what can K-State's defense do? That might be, I think, the biggest key in the game. When K-State has to buckle down, tighten up the coverage a little bit, how well does the K-State defense keep TCU in check? It won't be consistent, but they have to do it more often than not. Against Texas Tech, it wasn't perfect. It did happen more often than not. The offense is going to score some points. I hope Avery shows off. Will Howard plays. I hope he scores points as well. But K-State's defense will have their hands full against a freshman quarterback mm-hmm. that can sling it around. I mean, all of the wide receivers for TCU have had a slow start, including John Paul Richardson, who was a former Oklahoma State Cowboy, mm-hmm. and I believe a couple of years ago he did have a 100-yard 
or close to a 100-yard receiving game against K-State. He had his first 100-yard rush uh, receiving day last week against BYU. It kind of really, I mean, it woke up the passing game. It was just full throttle, in your face, nothing BYU could do about it, offense. So now they're feeling pretty good. But they're coming to Bill Snyder Family Stadium, that's a big difference. Because K-State's defense is going to have to rely on the crowd. Mm-hmm. And crowd's going to show up. Guys, this is a sold-out game. Mm-hmm. This right. crowd's going to be fired up. Mm-hmm. So what K-State does on defense when TCU's putting together a drive is going to be a huge difference in this game. Or if Avery just wants to run for six or seven touchdowns <laughs> and the Cats win by 28, <laughs> I'll take that as well. And maybe not so much pressure on the defense. Behave. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, it would be nice, but... All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we move on to Michael Boganowski. Eight minutes away from his decision, it's either K-State, Oklahoma, KU, or Florida State. A couple of the recruiting sources have him as the number one recruit in the state of Kansas. Can the Cats go two for two? Avery Johnson, Michael Boganowski in the last two years. Right now the experts say he leans Oklahoma, but we're going to find out coming up next. K-State men's basketball has just announced that three of the 18 home games are already sellouts. Get it. Sold out is Villanova, Oklahoma State, and TCU. Now, the Pokes and Frogs matches are Saturdays. Villanova's a Tuesday. I forget the date. Uh, It's December 5th, a 6 o'clock game on a Tuesday, a whiteout against the Villanova Wildcats. Hmm. And then there's also uh, three other games that are close to sellouts. The Nebraska game is under 200. BYU is under 80 tickets left. And um, Iowa State under 120. So about to sell out a third of the uh, home schedule here rather quickly. Yeah, buddy. But again, there's a lot of weekend games. So it's With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's all about can we sell out the uh, the weekday games? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, when you're the hottest ticket in the nation, of course. Yeah, we'll blue blood program. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, yep. you know what I'm saying? Everybody needs tickets. Go get them. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Nebraska. That's a Sunday game. Sunday two o'clock on December seventeenth. Okay, I think I'll be pumped up for that. A Sunday non-con versus the old Huskers. I like that, dude. Yep. Well, it looks like uh, the 24-7 Sports Live show is about to go live to Junction City High School. We will not be able to pot up the audio for this, but we can tell you it's all about Michael Boganowski, who, let me me double check here, there's two sources. ESPN and Rivals both say that uh, he is the number one recruit in the state of Kansas. When 24-7 and on three, he's actually slid down the list a little bit. Boganowski is the fourth best recruit in Kansas, according to 24-7. And then on three says he's the fifth best recruit 
in the state of Kansas, but Rivals is the only one that has him as a four-star, the 17th best linebacker in the country. Yeah, when the when the rumors are that he's going to go to Oklahoma, all of a sudden he's the number one guy. But if he goes to K-State, then it's like, oh, well, he's actually number six or seven. <laughs> well, he's been the number that. one guy I know, for just, Rivals for sure for a while. I'm just... Bitter, just Josh. I am, and I'm. I am bitter because that's how it has happened before. You know, just like come on. All right, so he's doing an interview right now, so this might get dragged on a little bit. Does he have hats in front? Yeah, so he's got the scene. There's the four. Actually, they're behind him. I thought they'd be. I think he has them also in front of him, but. Uh, from left to right with the hats, it's like a baseball pinstripe-looking Florida State hat, just without the – not the FS, but it's the Seminole logo. Mm. Cats is the second hat, KU the third hat, Oklahoma the fourth hat. So what uh, – reaction about the hat order. Anybody? Um, I, I actually <laughs> like the fact that he's got the K-State and KU ones next to each other right in the middle Yeah. because there's that possibility that, that, that he angles for – that K State one since it's right there. Oof. Well, actually, the so elbow angle is huge. So it's so the two hats. K oh, State don't break my heart. K State and Florida State are like over to his right, and then there's enough space. Like oh, it's, okay. His body, you know, is uh, I don't know. Oh, uh, so, like so Florida to State's on the way outside. Yeah, I like so is that. Oklahoma. Oklahoma's on so the way Oklahoma, outside. So. See, uh-huh. see, I uh-huh. I got this reading going. And he's a natural right hander, so. It's like he's not going to put something over here or on his left where he's weirdly grabbing. Uh, He did not play in the Manhattan game a couple of weeks ago. He was out with an injury. He took a hard hit in the week prior to that. Um, And uh, he was at the game. He was wearing jeans and his jersey, but he did not play. Um, I mean, I've seen him play. And he's a – I think he's going over to the hats, I think. He stands up. Drum roll, please. He grabbed the Oklahoma hat. He's he's going to Oklahoma. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's wearing an Oklahoma shirt. Yeah. Parents are ta- families taking off their jackets. It's Oklahoma. He went right for the OU hat. Uh what a bummer. Yeah. Uh he, he visited K State seven times. Oh, well, I mean he's in Junction City. I mean, it's not like it's right. hard or anything. But still. Uh the according to rivals and ESPN, the number one recruiting Kansas has picked the Oklahoma Sooners. What is it about linebackers from Kansas, Kansas. taking Oklahoma now? Canick did it a few years ago. Well, now. Following, going Brent Venables. Yeah. yeah. Going Brent Venables. I, I guess. Because Canick was Clemson, and then <sighs> Venables gets the job at OU. Follows him to Oklahoma. Goes to Norman. And now, uh, so, yeah, in the last couple of weeks, it was gravitating towards Oklahoma. Um, yeah, just thinks, you know, a kid so close to home decides to go. You know, go play SEC football now. I'm not going to speculate as to why he picked Oklahoma. I'm sure he'll do a press conference afterwards and and say it just felt like home or whatever, and it was the right fit for me or you know all that stuff. Um, but was it about? I know there was speculation. Was it you know when Oklahoma beat um, Texas in the Red River rivalry the night the day before that? K State lost to. Oklahoma State, was that a big deciding factor or whatever? I mean, there's been speculation about that. I don't know. He picked Oklahoma. He didn't pick K-State. Yeah. We move on. I will tell you this. How about this? If, if you want a little icing on the cake, on three, or not maybe not icing on the cake, but maybe something to make you feel a little bit better. I mentioned earlier, on three actually has Boganowski as the fifth best, fifth best player in the state of Kansas. They have number one is Gus Hawkins, and guess where he's going? K-State. He's K-State. So, in a way, another recruiting source, a site, has K-State with the number one recruit in the state of Kansas. It's just not Boganowski. 
It's a 6'7", 280-pound offensive tackle out of Mill Valley. Nice. Uh, and then who was the other one I Gus. said that didn't have him as number one? Uh, that's, that's 24-7 had Boganowski as the fourth highest recruit in Kansas. Caden Massey comes in at number two on their list. Um, so there you go. Couple of uh, K State linemen, top two in the state of Kansas, coming to the Cats. So I think you can still say in a way, you know, Cats still have the number one recruit in Kansas ah, yeah, coming at, to K State. It's just not Mike Boganowski. I would have loved to make some nicknames out of Boganowski, but hey, man, too bad, so sad. See ya. All right, we take a break. When we come back, we hear from both K State coordinators, Colin Klein and Joe Klanerman. That's coming up next on the game. We are back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., Travion Berkland. Breaking news just a few moments ago. Uh, Michael Boganowski, linebacker and uh, very heavily recruited by K-State over the last year or two. Uh, actually offered him over a year ago. It was the uh, the same week as Manhattan High Junction City uh, last season. Has picked to go to Oklahoma. I think the disappointing aspect of that is they put a lot of time and effort into that recruiting even though yeah at junction city it makes it easier but the fact of the matter is is how many visits he had here both official and unofficial and still unable to pull that one off that that that's disappointing does it does it now mean uh dj giddens tears it up for another uh Another huge day. Yeah, why don't we go get him, send him down there to talk some sense into this kid? Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, first, you got to get DJ to talk. That's true. He's, he's, he's a valid, pretty quiet yeah. guy. He, he Maybe they should rather go fishing. be out on the lake right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the coordinators. We'll first start with uh, Colin Klein. Of course, a lot of quarterback talk, but at the same time, he's his offense is about to face a TCU defense. When it comes to pass defense, they're playing their best football uh, in Big Twelve play. And I will say, I you know. When it comes to K-State's defense and TCU's defense against the current group of Big 12 teams they've already faced, you're talking about offenses for K-State that they've faced in the top half of the Big 12. TCU's defense has faced offenses so far in the Big 12 that are in the bottom half mm. of the Big 12. But it's still you know, some pretty solid numbers here. They're allowing just a buck 64 through the air. Uh, in Big 12 games and you know just two games since the Colorado matchup which I mean they gave up like 500 and something Uh, but just two games ever since then so it's two out of six they've allowed over 200 yards passing they are fourth in rush defense at 173 a game or 37 a game and 3.9 yards per carry in Big 12 play is third in the conference. Let's hear from K-State offensive coordinator Colin Klein. I'm not sure how well do you want to tell us what's the plan at quarterback this week? Yeah, no, uh, we've we've been uh, uh, repping them both at practice. Uh, you know, I thought both have had a pretty good week. Uh, don't know who will take take the first one. I uh, would expect both of them to obviously play and, and be a part of it and contribute. And uh, we'll kind of finish up this last day of prep and have a meeting tomorrow morning and kind of uh, put the exact plan together. So, Why is... Splitting two quarterbacks, something that could work for this team. Well, I, I think I think the first and, and main thing. I think both of those guys are just in, incredible individuals. They're incredible team guys. I know as as even as the game went last week, and obviously we were able to do what we were with some of that quarterback run game stuff. Um, how how they how they have worked together. 
um, has has been outstanding and and very similar to you know Adrian and Will last year. I, I think it has a, a very similar dynamic as far as their heart for the team and and wanting to help each other and, and ultimately do whatever it takes to win. Is there a feeling that Will is completely healthy? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, uh, I think he's definitely feeling uh, better than he was a couple weeks ago, and I think got out last week uh, you know pretty well. So I think he's he's all right. Based on how this game unfolds, is that going to change how you manage the quarterback situation? Um, you know, I, I think uh, I don't know. You know, just because again, there's there's so many variables that that, that do go into it. But uh, I know this. You know, we're going to do what whatever we feel like is is necessary to to put our team and our offense in in the best position to succeed. And whatever that means, that you know, I, I know both those guys will uh, answer the bell when their number's called. Kind of out on him now. I mean, TCU's <laughs> gonna probably know he's gonna run the ball. How yep. do you, as an offensive coordinator, scheme up plays when the defense knows what? Well, it's uh, no doubt, and it's you know even you go back and 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 look at some of the plays he was able to make throwing the ball, even though there weren't a ton. Um, you know, again, the the amount of pressure you're able to put on people when you have someone that that can truly go like that, and if he gets a crease, he, you know he's gone. Uh, it, it helps everything because then it, it standardizes people, it stabilizes uh, pressures, you know, and, and kind of will, uh, it, it'll help a lot of guys get going and a lot of other aspects of the offense get going. I want to keep up with the, uh, the line I've been seeing a few times here on the, on the show, and that's with the current quarterback situation at K-State of who starts, who plays more, you know, how things end up at the end of the day. The only guarantee is that there is no guarantees. Um, on how that will play out. Now, for the uh, for the K State defense and uh, defensive coordinator Joe Klanerman, I, I've already really talked about. It. If you missed it, make sure to check out the podcast after the show. Just search for the game on thirteen fifty K Man wherever you listen to your podcast to catch the first part of our show where I really talked about K State's defense and how they need to really buckle down and get after Josh Hoover, get pressure on him like they did Baron Morton. They, I mean, they got so much pressure on him and hit him so many times he could not continue through the game. He's re-aggravated that shoulder, and now he's questionable for the game Saturday at BYU. Pressure is a big part of that as well that I didn't mention earlier, but buckling down in the red zone and in plus territory will be a huge part of this game against the Horned Frogs who just threw for over 400 yards with a redshirt freshman quarterback. Here's Joe Klanerman with the media earlier today, a part of his press conference. Circus coming to town. How about that? You guys feel like you last week prepared you somewhat for that? A little bit different style. I think a little bit different family of, uh, of stuff. Um, same thought process, though, as far as the tempo goes. And, and um, you know, I, I think these guys do a really good job offensively because they're able to mix in some tempo which you know gets you on your heels a little bit along with just being able to slow things down and shift and motion and trade and do some you know things that will challenge you mentally too you know sometimes you play tempo teams but they're somewhat simple formationally these guys are are tempo but they also can switch gears on you and, and get into uh, some stuff that challenges you a little bit too so really really well coached team even though they threw it 59 times last week they seem to be capable of being very balanced it's, in, it's interesting um you know, conventional wisdom would tell if your backup quarterbacks in, you rely on the run game, and they kind of went the opposite way with it. And um, I think some of it is um, you take what what you're given to. Um, you know, and BYU was was doing some things that maybe would lend itself to throwing the football a little bit more, and so they took advantage of it and they did a great job. I think he throws the ball really well, and uh, I can see why they're comfortable throwing the football with him. Why do you think you guys came up with so many interceptions last game? 
you know it's just a, it's, it's a magical thing that, that you know sometimes it happens and and uh i think there's no answer to that I mean, there's no magic calls there's no magic you know things that anybody did vj Payne made a tremendous play on one that was uh that was a, a great individual effort um kobe savage actually was a great individual individual effort in the in the end zone too because he was just in a single high defense and he got over and uh, played outside the numbers which was phenomenal range for a guy um so there was a couple of really just tremendous individual efforts and then sometimes uh, they happen you know we had an overthrow that was um uh, again probably a pretty good individual effort nothing that would show up on the stat sheet but Bo Palmer did a really nice job of getting uh, some depth in an underneath zone and quarterback floated a little bit and it ended up in Kobe Savage's hands and then you know we're giving Kobe a little bit of grief for dropping one that probably uh my grandmother could have caught and uh but uh but uh you know sometimes that stuff happens too so it's it, uh no answer. We're just going to keep playing hard, and sometimes those things fall into your lap. It's, uh, what is Will Lee's availability this late in the week? Practiced yesterday um, and, and felt good afterwards. He'll practice again today, and, and we'll see how she goes. Once again, that's Joe Klanerman earlier today, defensive coordinator. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up on that, and that's Will Lee. Um, I, I think he has done a pretty solid job especially you know before the injury of improving and getting better and getting more up to speed with what K-State's doing. And again, it's a very new secondary for the Cats. It's going to take some time to really get acclimated to what they're doing and work well as a unit. And I think definitely at safety, uh, where they have been healthy, I've noticed in the last couple of games, they are flying to the ball a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Marquis Siegel, Kobe Savage, VJ Payne had that one-handed interception. That play has really stepped up uh, in the last few weeks, even going back to the UCF game. Having Will Lee back would be huge. But I will say, Kenny Garber, I think he's he's done a good job of holding his own. Holding his own, he's been great. Absolutely. I, I mean, he really kind of pops when you, when you watch. And it, it's so crazy to think that he had that position change. But he has looked fantastic back there. And the difficulty of learning it on the fly. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when you really think about the – teams that you're facing and having to learn it on the fly and what passing attacks are in this conference. You know, pretty pretty solid to have to pick that up very quickly from a guy who was a wide receiver. Do, do I remember he did he started the, his first start was against TCU, right? It wasn't his first start, but it was his first time playing at a corner. He basically learned it in like 48 hours. Ah. Unreal. He's doing great. And then was thrown into the fire and did an amazing job. He's doing great. That yeah. guy's doing great. All right, we take a break. We've, we we head into hour number two. We'll have Mitch in Vegas and Curry Sexton plus uh, number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything. We wrap up hour number one. It's going to be really fun. Blindly ranking five next. All right, guys, it's time to blindly rank five. Troy and Deej can work together, but it's Deej that makes the final call here and how this works. I'll give him a theme, and then one at a time, he'll have to rank these five things. Given the first one, he doesn't know what comes next. you got to rank them one at a time without knowing what comes next. So Saturday's game between K-State and TCU at 6.05 is going to be televised on ESPN2. ESPN2, back on October 1st, officially turned 30. Yeah. Oh, 30 years wow. of ESPN2 started October 1st of 1993. So, Deej, you're going to blindly rank five <laughs> old 
ESPN2 shows. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Wow. Your first one, I think you'll remember all these. Your first one is Cold Pizza. Oh, I loved Cold Pizza. Aired from 03 to 07. It was a two-hour morning talk show. It was oh. like a Good Morning America, but sports version. Sometimes it would jump away from sports and talk about whatever. And the original host, Jay Crawford and, and Kit Hoover. Yes. My boy Woodrow moved from Denver to New York to be a part of that because they, they had Skip Bayless on it for a time as That's well. That's right. Woody Page. Yeah. That's right. Skip Bayless, Jay Crawford. I loved Jay Crawford. I loved that show. I And I was in middle school and high school when that aired, and I would get up and watch it. I was not a Sports Center kid, but I watched Cold Pizza. Because, like, Kit Hoover and Jay Crawford, they're like an item, I think. And then Dana Jacobson had to come in, right, after that. Dude, I'm going number one. I I, wow. loved, I loved that show. Cold Pizza goes number one. I think I you're going to lo- regret that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, number two. Sports Nation. Sports Nation aired from wow. 09 to 22, nearly 1,500 episodes. The initial and most popular hosts were Colin Cowherd and Michelle Beadle. It was based on Sports Nation, which was a fan forum. It was poll, polls on ESPN.com. And the show was like typically 60, 70% material generated by fan suggestion. Mm-hmm. That really kicked both of their careers. Like, I mean, really. I know Colin Cowherd had been a guy for a while, but that was, I mean, that's a three. That's a solid three. That's a, That was a great show, too. That I mean, was I, really cool. I remember going, when I was living in New York City, they were doing a live broadcast to determine who would be the new Madden cover. It was either Calvin Johnson right. or Cam Newton. Whoa. And I lived 10 minutes from Times Square, so I raced down there and watched it live. Wow. Good call. Calvin Johnson ended up getting yeah. uh, the cover that year for th- Madden 13. Yeah. Wow, that long ago? All right, so again, we're blindly ranking old ESPN2 shows. Deej has gone Cold Pizza 1 and Sports Nation 3. Yeah. All right, your next is Stump the Schwab. Oh, I forgot that was on 2. 04 to 05, it was four seasons, only 80 episodes. It was a game show featuring three contestants trying to defeat Howie Schwab, who was the first ESPN statistician. In sports trivia, based on stats, Stuart Scott was the host. Mm -hmm. I remember, okay, so I remember Stump the Schwab on SportsCenter was a thousand times better than the actual show. Really? Stump the Schwab, yeah. I thought Stump the Schwab, it relied too much on him, and I didn't think he was that charismatic of a guy, but his knowledge is insane he so 80 episodes he lost 14 yeah he was crazy dude that guy was crazy knowledgeable but yeah they had a little little thing it was better than the actual show i'm gonna put that at four okay stump at four all right we got two left you have cold pizza one sports nation four stump the schwab or um, uh, sports nation three stump the schwab four again we're blindly ranking old espn two shows fourth on the list is Friday Night Fights from 98 to 2015. Traditionally featured just boxing bouts up and coming and also like some seasoned vets boxing. They had studio segments. Um, Had a lot of spinoffs as well, like Tuesday, Wednesday Night Fights. Um, Joe Tessitore used to be 
uh, one of the broadcasters. Joe Tessitore, Brian Kelly, too. Yep. Brian Kelly's really good. I remember really sometimes good. also, like, if there was, like, a Friday night college football game, as soon as the game got over, they just kind of jumped right into the fight. Yep. Bam, right yep. into it. And um, Joe Tessitore, I felt like he got a really raw deal. He is a good play-by-play guy, and he did college ba- uh, football, and he got kind of railroaded for that. Now he's out to the SEC. He's SEC. He's guy. doing SEC net. Dude, he's good. He's really good. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Two. Two. Okay. I, I'm so happy that I had two left over. That's my thing. Well, you have five left, and I think you're going to disagree with this. The final show on ESPN2 was Streetball. And one mixtape, too. Oh, I love and one. Oh. S- air for six years. It was just basically highlight reels. They would air for 30 minutes on ESPN2 oh. of the N1 mixtape tour. Skip to my Lou Escalade, the professor, hot sauce. Man, I'm, I'm sorry, I, guys. I am disappointed you didn't go with sport tonight. No. I mean, honestly, because nothing sold ESPN2 as well as Keith Olbermann in a leather jacket. <laughs> I'm sorry. this These all beat that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was being sarcastic. Okay. Okay. So Deej's, uh his list here of old ESPN2 shows from 5 to 1. Uh, Streetball, the N1 mixtape tour. Sports, uh, Stump the Schwab, rather. Sports Nation, Friday Night Fights, and Cold Pizza. I'm not- s- not how I thought it would go. I'm sorry, and one. So sorry. All right, we kick off hour number two with Mitch in Vegas, and then Curry Sexton will join us after that. Don't go anywhere. Hour two of the game is coming up in Soldier Local News.